Welcome to It's an EDRN. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the super fucked up dynamic you could be placed in by being a part of the healthcare workforce. Specifically, the concept that you should treat them as family, but they get to treat you any way they want to. Sound fucked up? I sure think so. I'm your host in EDRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an A. It's a D. It's an ED. RN. It's an It's for It's an Episode 45, an EDRN is not your family. Welcome to my podcast, It's an EDRN. I am your host, an EDRN, and today we are going to talk about family, or rather, not family. The way you're made to feel guilty for not doing certain things or thinking a certain way because the expectation in your healthcare workplace seems to be that you consider them mom and dad, but you are to be treated like uh, a child and also a working adult and also someone who should be grateful for their job at all times, all while busting their ass because family. I had something happen recently, which really kind of set me off down this track of something I have always known to be true, but being reminded of it kind of just like set off a lot of triggers for me. And we are going to get into that. But first, if you are new to this show, welcome. Hi. I'm a registered nurse. I work in the emergency department. I've been a nurse for 12 years. I started out in med surge. I went to ICU. I did house supervisor. I was a nursing manager for five years, speeding right past that. And I've been back to bedside in the emergency department for two years now. And it's great. I genuinely love my job. However, as we all know, working in healthcare, there are a number of things that make our jobs absolute hellscapes. And one of them is this dynamic that I'm going to try to describe in this episode. So there are certain ways that this kind of plays out, and I want to go over them. And I feel like we all know what this is. We all have been told at one point or another in our workspaces, this is like a family. We treat each other like family. And that's an interesting approach because not everybody's family (laughs) is like, it's not a a concept that's a, a monolith. We all have different experiences with our family. So that's very interesting. And so I want to go into what exactly is meant when your employer tells you that your family. The first thing, the first area this kind of shows up in healthcare is calling in. We're told, or rather, we're made to feel like if we call in, we're going to be disappointing the family. We're letting down our coworkers who now have to work short because you've called in. Never mind the fact that you have a requisite number of days every year to which you are allowed, like they create the call in 
policy because they know that we're going to get sick. We're going to get overwhelmed. Our families, our real families, family members are going to get sick. Uh, People die and we go to their funerals. You know, they know these things happen. And yet they make you feel guilty in this kind of offhanded way for calling in. And we all know what this is. We all, we are all familiar with this to one extent or the other. And it's interesting because it is not our job to staff our units. And when we call in, it is not our job to fill that space. So if you can't call in without feeling guilty because you know you're understaffed, that's not your fault. That's a failing of the people in those positions. And it's not like your manager doesn't want to hire enough people. God knows I've been there. But you're often hamstrung by a number of things. And just to give you some insight into this, I at one point on my unit was understaffed by about six FTEs, so six full-time employees. So I needed like three-day shift RNs and three-night shift RNs, right? in order to really be fully staffed to where if someone called in, it wouldn't be such a big deal because we would have enough people scheduled for that day to kind of make up for it. And I had my postings taken down because my unit, which was understaffed, remind you, didn't hit some of their targets according to the HCAPS survey. We did not meet a standard because we didn't have the people resources for which to reach that standard. And because of that, our punishment was to take down all the positions I had posted for more resources so that we could be fully staffed, so that we could meet that standard. Do you see what I'm saying? Like in a roundabout way, very inefficient the way I'm trying to say this. And the reason is I'm kind of heightened around this right now because something happened that was so recent, and I will get into it. Downtime is the second thing. When you go to work, you are at work. If you're a nurse, downtime is rare. It is If you are a nurse in the emergency department in this day and age, it is incredibly rare. We often walk into the trauma bay with 15 patients, and that trauma bay was set up for seven. So that gives you any indication of how we're just shoving people in there. However... On a recent shift, for some weird reason, some cosmic gift, there were zero patients in the trauma bay. And so I did what any reasonable nurse would do when they don't have any patients in the area to which they've been assigned. And I started working on my education modules, which are a requirement of my job and which never go away. Even after you complete them, somehow there's always more. We're given four hours a year to charge for our education doing these modules. Uh, Obviously, there's way more than that. So I was working on my modules, which is work, at work. And I got in trouble for that. My leadership, my supervisor came through. And to be fair, they didn't actually, like, write me up or anything, because that would have been very interesting. (laughs) But they did make a comment like, oh, I'm not seeing that. To which I responded, because I like this person. This person has been kind to me. This person, you know, is doing their best. And I responded, I said, oh, no, I'm doing modules. And they were like, yeah, but like, mm, if you don't have anything to do in your area, you need to be going to the other areas and helping 
other nurses do stuff. Okay. Sure. All right. Cool. But you know what doesn't happen when we're drowning in trauma and the nurses in the cubes have time? They don't come back and help us. And I'm not saying this is a reason not to help them. I went and helped. And I started IVs for people and I turned patients and I answered call lights until, you know, trauma got rolling. And they were really grateful and it was and it was good. It actually was really nice to to feel like needed and to feel helpful for a change. It's been a while since I've been able to do that. But if I'm doing modules at work, can you please not act like I'm doing something wrong? It rubs me the wrong way. Compensation. This is a big one. Because your family, they don't have to pay you adequately. They can pay you according to their estimation of your value, not your actual value or your market value, more importantly, which is how are you being compensated compared to like positions in your area, which are often based on the cost of living in your area, can also be dependent on demand in your area. Do you live in an, a high needs area for your position or like none of those things? I work at a unionized hospital and I'm grateful for that. They have been able to get us raises above and beyond what leadership intended to give us. And I think that's great. However, and I, I don't know how else to say this. They will pay you the least amount possible for which you will do the job. And that is because the hospital and the leadership of that hospital are not your family. They're a business. And you, you are not their family. You're a commodity. And they pay you for a service. They pay you for labor. And then you perform that labor adequately to the standards of which that they've outlined. That does not sound like family to me. And on the topic of labor, let's talk about labor expectations. It, it doesn't matter whether you have one patient or five patients, you're expected to perform to the same level, which is, as nurses we know, ob objectively not possible. No one, no one can give the same level of nursing care to five patients that they could give to one patient. That, that doesn't make any sense, and we all know it, but it's like you have to dissect these things. And there's no real recognition for that. There's no, your family, your hospital family, the leadership, they're not going to recognize that. If you don't meet certain markers, and if you're inpatient, this is age gaps, this is probably different like administration times, this is rounding expectations, this is charting expectations, are the same no matter how many patients you have in a day, how many you discharge and then get a new batch of, or if in the ED, how many total patients you're expected to take care of at a given time or in your entire day, which is absolutely bonkers. It's bonkers. I've worked in every area of the hospital pretty much. And although the charting expectations in the emergency department are way, 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 way better than any inpatient nursing, particularly the ICU, the labor expectations are still astronomically out of the realm of plausibility, like for sure. This idea that your family is 
like particularly compounded when you are staffed primarily by travelers. Currently, we are 87% staffed by travelers in my department. It's crazy. But because of the area we live in, because it's a level one trauma center, because COVID, all the things, because all the things, there's just a lot of travelers. And when there's a lot of travelers, you are made distinct from travelers by being referred to as staff. Oh, your staff. Oh, your core staff. And anyone who works with a lot of travelers knows this. And therefore, they make you feel like you're part of this elite group, this, you know, valuable group, this family. And travelers are not part of the family. They're just kind of there. And they get paid more. And they have much lower work expectations placed upon them. And frankly, at this point, why would I want to be family? Because it seems like you can just expect more of me and pay me less. And I know there's more to it than that, but it certainly does feel that way. I recently had an experience where I was called into the charge nurse's office, and any of you who have ever gotten that tiger text during your shift, come to the office like whenever you can. Um, it's never a good thing. It's never a great thing. But I have not had to experience um, in the two years I've been working here and really throughout my nursing career, to be frank, this conversation. I was brought into the charger's office and long story short, was basically told that I was not my normal upbeat self lately and they expected me to fix that. Now, they didn't say it quite like that. They did that thing where they sit you down and they go, how you doing? Are you okay? That's how it always starts. And then it progresses to people have been concerned. And then it progresses to, well, do you need us? What can we do? I mean, do you need us to not put you in trauma so much? Do you need us? And then... Eventually, it progresses to do what you have to do to fix your attitude. And, oof, heavy pause because I have a lot of emotion surrounding this. And this emotion, I think, stemmed from the last time I had a conversation like this. I was a nurse manager and I was called into my CNO's office and it started the exact same way. How are you doing? And and at this time, when I was a nurse manager, and as is true most of the time when we have difficulty fixing our face at work, there's something going on personally in our lives, and it can be a health issue. It can be an interpersonal issue. It can be an issue with our f- actual families. Um, and for me, at this time when I was a nurse manager, it was a health issue that I was going through. It was quite heavy and serious, and it was affecting me physically, hormonally, all of it. And so my CNO knew about that. And I feel as though used that information to lull me into a false sense of security where she brought me into her office and, you know, was very concerned about my health and how am I doing and everything. And I cried and I fucking hate crying at work. I fucking hate it. I've done it. I can count on one hand in 12 years and I've seen some messed up shit, as we all have. Um, and I cried in her office. And in 
the moment of my vulnerability, she proceeded to explain to me why it was my responsibility to fix my face and my words and my attitude that she perceived as not contributing to her ideal workplace. And I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I need to be a certain way. I need to present myself as uh, only one way at work. And I considered that professional at the time. And it, I tried so hard. I tried to be that person. I tried to be exactly what it was that was going to get me um, accolades, uh, um, approval. Because when you place yourself in a family dynamic, what you're doing inadvertently, taking on a parent role in a leadership position and, and placing us in a child's role is you're creating a dynamic where we are looking <laughs> to leadership. They're creating a dynamic where we're looking to leadership for approval and oftentimes the approval that we did not receive from mom and dad growing up. And that is why you feel that way when you're criticized at work above and beyond and, and, you're, and you're placed in that vulnerable space. Even though you are grown-ass adult having a normal reaction to an extreme abnormal environment. And this is what I want to really drive home. Okay? Your value at work is your labor. This is an important concept to grasp. Because what these fuckers will have you believe is that your value at work is their experience of you. They don't want you to be in a bad mood because that's not a good experience for them. They don't want you to have bad shifts where you just aren't happy and bubbly and your normal happy self. You know, your normal happy self. What they're saying is you as a whole person we're not interested in. This little pie wedge of you that's in a good mood and upbeat and positive, this is, this is what we want. Because we perceive that to be part of the labor expectation. And I challenge any of you to look up your policies and find in there where it has expectations for your personality. Where it's a requirement of your job that you're an optimist. <laughs> Certainly you can't be aggressive, abusive, and violent towards your coworkers. That's the job of the patients. Um, but that's not what they were asking me at the time. That's not what my CNO was asking me. It is often that they want you to, to ignore problems and not bring them problems because then you're the problem because you're the messenger. They want you to be positive. They want you to be upbeat and happy. Even though you're being kicked and punched, you're being screamed at, you're watching people die. You are seeing things that no human person should be seeing on a regular basis. We are working in conditions that have never been like this. So when you are really not feeling it at work, that is a normal human response to your job. And if you can still perform your labor in that mental space, 
then they need to fucking leave you alone. Getting a little intense there, but I feel intensely about it. If this is resonating with any of you, then hopefully these tips and tricks will be helpful. Tip number one. Rebel. If work is your family, then be the rebellious teenager. Be the black sheep. Be the the one that like no one knows if, if anything good's going to happen <laughs> for their life and they're just trying to keep them out of prison. Be that kid. If they want you to be a child, be a child. I recommend acting like a responsible adult and asking for that treatment in return, but like do what you got to do. Tip number two. Know your policies. Your family is going to try to get you to do things outside of policy or they're going to have expectations for you that are outside of policy or they're going to tell you things like, oh, just make it happen uh, without giving you any kind of structure for those things to happen. If you know your policies, then you know what is allowed and what isn't allowed, especially with things like calling in or doing your modules on the company clock. Know what's allowed and don't let people arbitrarily push you around. Tip number three, keep your distance. This is really important. There are going to be some people that you work with who are in leadership positions, your charge nurses, supervisors, your manager, that you really get along with as people. And I think that's great. Like that's, that can really make work a lot easier when you do get along with your leadership, but do not get it twisted. They will still fire you. They will still write you up if someone else complains about you enough. These are not your family. These are not your friends. When it comes between you and their job, they will choose their job because they have actual families at home and they need their job to feed those actual families and you will never be more important to them than they are. And that is appropriate. So just remember that and remember that you and your family are also more important. So call in. And finally, I have one trick. Have your next move already planned out. I do not intend to do bedside nursing forever and neither should you. There has to be something that comes after. And look, you can go do that after thing and then come back. I've done it. There's no penalty for that. So think about what you want to do next and use your current position to get you to that next place. This will also help you get through those difficult shifts. If you know that it's only temporary that you're here and you have another goal in mind. So the way that I do this is I always have my LinkedIn profile updated. I always have a current resume on hand. Whenever anyone leaves like my hospital to get another job. I stay in contact with them. I ask them how that other job is doing. And I keep travelers that I get along with, I keep their information in my phone because if I don't end up travel nursing someday, I will be shocked. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please um, subscribe, leave a review, tell people to listen, whatever you feel like doing, I don't care. For many of us, Our actual families are pretty fucked and we don't need another family thrown into the mix. So remember that your value to your work family is in your labor, not who you are as a person, 
which of course is the opposite of how it should be in a healthy family. Thank you for listening and have a safe shift. It's an EDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from randos on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.